Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 31, the 31st Psalm. This is not my text, but I want to read it before I preach. I think it's appropriate to talk about the Lord before we get into the message, Psalm 31. It's a custom where, where I attend church. It's our custom in the Middle East. And so if it doesn't bother your conscience and if you're physically able, when you find your place, would you please join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 31. Now you keep in mind, if you're not feeling well, if you have a physical difficulty or something, God is not going to be upset with you for being remaining seated, and I won't preach at you, okay? So if you're not feeling well, you remain seated. But if you're physically able, would you join me in standing? Psalm 31, we'll read in verse 19 until verse number 24. Psalm, Psalm 31, begin reading there in verse number 19, and it says this, tremendous passage, says this. Oh, how great is thy goodness. You could preach all morning just on that statement. What a tremendous statement. You know, there's, there's no qualifier with that statement in the Bible right there. There's no caveat given to that passage. It doesn't say if times are good, God is good. It, do, it doesn't say that. The Bible just simply says, God's, how great is thy goodness. It doesn't say when I'm happy. It doesn't say when I'm sad. It just says, God is good all the time. God never changes from being good. He was good in the beginning. He's good now, and he'll be good in the end. God is good. Look at the rest of the passage. Which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. Which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. And oh, oh dear God, that is what our nation needs to see right now. Our country and the world is going insane. They're going nuts. They're going crazy. And they need to see churches, people, local churches that have something greater that they trust in. Than what society says. Than what the government provides. They need to see people that have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our country needs. That's what my people need. That's what the world needs. Not people with this answer or that answer or this medication or that medication or this drug or that drug. They need to see Christians that in spite of the storm are trusting in a holy and righteous and good God. Look in verse number 20. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. He's done that for you, Christian. For I said in my haste, and we do that, oh, we do that, we get into a circumstance and in a situation, and all we can see is the present moment, and we forget verse number 19, because we're so busy speaking in our haste, we forget the goodness of God, and the blessings of God, and His mercy toward us. For I said in my haste, verse number 22, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou hurts the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. Look up here for a second. You know what that verse is saying, verse number 22? Saying that I doubt this, the psalmist doubted, he had doubts, and yet he prayed to God, and in spite of his failures, and in spite of his failing, and in spite of his doubts, God answered him. God didn't owe him an answer. God didn't have to answer him in his faithless prayer, and yet the Bible says, how great is thy goodness that he answers us when we don't deserve it. That he reaches down to a faithless prayer and answers that prayer with peace. Verse number 23, O love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful. What a statement. And plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Father, I pray you take this message this morning. Lord, you know. You know my flaws. 
with the sins of my heart, you know, my unworthiness, to be your child, to be your son, to be a preacher. God, I pray that you would make me this morning your vessel. That you just use me as a tool in your hands. All I want to be is effective, Lord. That's all we want to be. That's all I want this morning is to honor you and to glorify you and to lift you up. Don't want it to be about missions. Don't want it to be about Kurds. I want it to be about you. I want to leave here this morning having pleased you, having made you proud. God, I need your Holy Spirit. I have nothing to give. Anything that I can give has got to come from you. I need you. I need you this morning, Father. And Lord, the people can't listen without the Holy Spirit. We need you to meet with us. If you don't meet with us this morning, Father, then all we did was religion. All we had was just religion. It didn't mean anything. Good songs, a nice talk. It's what most people have, Father. We don't want that. We want church. We want you this morning, Lord. We want, we want to see you. We want to see your presence. We want to feel it. We want to know it. We want, to see, we want your power to be with us this morning. God, I pray that you would take an unworthy person. You'd use me to preach your precious and holy word. Make me a blessing to your pastor. Make me a blessing to your local church. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I know I had you standing for a minute. I appreciate that. I want you to turn in your Bible, bearing this passage in mind, go to Luke chapter number 8, if you would. While you're turning there, I'm going to say a few things by way of introduction. We're not going to come back to this passage, but I want you to bear it in mind, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, all through the message this morning. While you're, while you're turning there, a few things by way of introduction. We are often, and I find this true in my life, and I find this true in churches all across the world, especially in North America right now, we are often distracted from the majesty and the depth of the goodness of God by worldwide circumstances, by national circumstances, and by personal circumstances. So often, as Christians, we determine God's goodness by how good we think we have it in the moment. If circumstances aren't the way we like it, God is not answering prayer. And only when circumstances are pleasing in our eyes do we think that we feel God's presence. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, how great is thy goodness. It didn't say when we were happy or when circumstances were good or when there was COVID or no COVID. God was good before COVID, was he not? He, then he's good now, is he not? And he'll be good when it's over. God is good. In spite of the circumstances, there is no qualifier for the goodness of God. None. He is simply good. He is simply great. We, we've been completely distracted by this. So often, right now, what's going on in churches all across the United States this morning, folks will meet and all they'll talk about is COVID. That's it. And, and present circumstances. And they'll talk about things that are temporal. Church, if it's not gospel, it's not God. That's it. And if it's not God, it's temporary. It's temporary. It's all going to change. I said it yesterday. It's all going to burn. Only what we do with the gospel through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, that matters. That changes the world. That changes eternity. Everything else is just going to change. And none of it is going to amount for anything at the judgment seat of Christ except what we have done with the gospel through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to matter. Now, I'm not saying you can't like stuff. I like stuff. Stuff's good. I have stuff up here. I have a this stuff and there's a this stuff and I have this to keep the stuff from getting on you, which is a blessing. That's good, especially for these poor folks down here. They're regretting their seat choice right now. With the lights coming here, they, they see that all happening. That's a real blessing, I'm sure. If they're back tonight, we know they really love Jesus. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with stuff. We need stuff to spread the gospel. 
Stuff is necessary to spread the gospel, but stuff is not the gospel. Jesus, the death, burial, there were three songs this morning talking about the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All we did this morning was talk about the gospel. That matters. That matters. That's eternal. That matters. The Apostle Peter, not my favorite apostle. I like the Apostle Paul. Don't, don't you like the Apostle Paul? If you were going to pick an apostle, don't you want to be like Paul? Church planter extraordinaire. I mean, mighty man in the scriptures. I know he killed a whole bunch of people before he became Paul, but let's not talk about that. We'll go after his conversion, right? You want to be Paul, not Saul, right? That, that's, boy, when, when you look at him, I want to be that guy in the Middle East. But let's be real. Most of the time, are we not Peter? The, the apostle who that every time he opened his mouth inserted his foot knee deep. I mean, it was deep. This is the guy of whom the Lord said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I don't know if you realize this. When Jesus says that to you, that's bad. That is not good. You have gone the wrong direction at that point. That's not a blessing. And the Lord is not simply trying to redirect you. He's kind of telling you to be quiet. And I find myself often... Like the Apostle Peter, he knew God's goodness extended to Gentiles, didn't he? Now, I'm thankful for Peter. He was the first apostle that came to the Gentiles, reluctantly, and only one time. But I am grateful that he came. I'm grateful for that. He was, got caught up in his reputation. He got caught up in daily life. He got caught up in managing so many practical aspects of ministry that he lost sight of the goodness of God. That God's goodness is not available to a race or an ethnicity. It is available to every soul that wants him. Every soul. Our nation is so incredibly divided over race right now. And there is only one. There is the human race that Jesus died to save. That's it. That's all there is. We ought to be beyond that stuff. The whole world ought to be looking at independent Baptist churches saying, how do they do it? We're all divided and going insane. How is it that they manage to be unified? What is it that they have? They ought to be looking at us for that. They ought to see peace in our independent Baptist churches and unity that transcends cultural differences. That's what Jesus did for you. And that's what Jesus did for me. He wasn't our culture. He was a holy, righteous God. And he overcame our culture to bring us the gospel. That's what we do, church. Not we missionaries. We missionaries. That's what we do. Why? Because of the goodness of God. Peter lived his life according to circumstances. That is not living, Christian. Living your life according to the circumstances that you are experiencing in this moment is not living. That is depression. That's not good. Circumstances are going to change. So if I'm constantly living my life based on how good I feel in the moment, I will be a wreck. I'll be a mess. And so will you. That is why we have such a good and gracious and mighty and powerful God who never changes. And that in spite of my circumstances, I know he's good. I know he's powerful. I know that he loves me. I know he has a plan. And I know he has a purpose in spite of my circumstances. I want you to look in Luke chapter number 8. This is where we're going to be. Luke chapter number 8. We're going to go through each of these verses a little bit. We're going to unpack these for just a minute. And I promise you, I'm not a long preacher. I, I'm really not. And I mean that honestly. I said it yesterday. I'm not giving you preacher talk. I'm not long. We preach sometimes an hour, hour and a half in Kurdistan, but I realize I'm not in the Middle East, so I won't do that to you this morning. Luke chapter 8, verse number 22. I want you to look there. I know you're familiar with this story. Please, please, please don't shut me off. 
Don't just hear a familiar story and go, oh, I know what happens at this. Please keep your mind open to the scriptures. I didn't say keep it open to me. Keep it open to the scriptures. You can get something from the book. Even if you don't like the preacher. I don't know. I don't see how you couldn't. I'm wonderful. I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, look at this beard. It's cuddly. I'm very cuddly. It's very nice. You, you realize that God speaks directly through his word? That in spite of the messenger, you can still get something from the message. Luke chapter number 8, verse number 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day. Christian, that ought to give you... I know you know what's going to happen at the end of this story. See, this is what we do. We read the story for the end. And we miss all the truths that, is, that are in the story. See, we read this and we go, oh yeah, God's going to do this. And we miss the whole point of why he did what he did and what was supposed to happen. Came to pass on a certain day. That means God knew this was going to happen. That means Jesus was aware of all that was about to transpire. But you, you understand that the, the disciples did not know this, right? You get that. See, we read the Bible as if the guys in the Bible knew what was going to happen to them. They didn't know. Only Jesus knew the end. The disciples had no idea what was going to happen. Jesus was completely aware. He knew what he was telling them to do. He knew what was coming. Now, it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. Every word of God is important. Do you notice those words? He went with his and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Jesus did not send them into the coming storm. He went with them. They were never alone. Not for one moment were they alone in those circumstances. Jesus was with them every step of the way. He did not send them into difficulty or trouble. He said, let us go into it. See, Brother Matt, I have circumstances and I have difficulties. And I'm not making light of that, church. I understand that. I know you got trouble. People, we minister in the Middle East. They've got trouble. My wife has trouble. She has to live with me. Everybody's got a burden. Everybody does. Please understand, I'm not making light of that, but what I am trying to do is make much of Jesus Christ. Because if we would make as much of Jesus as we made of our circumstances, we would not be so depressed in our circumstances. Well, brother Matt, I can't see the end. Don't look for the end of your problem. Just look for the presence of Jesus. That's what will help you in the storm. I didn't say help you through it. Help you in it. I don't need help to get through a storm. I need help in the middle of it. I don't know about you. That's what I need. I need Jesus now, not tomorrow when the problem's over. I need him today. I need him right now. That is what we're seeing in this passage. The storm is coming. Problems are coming. Stuff is coming. Life-threatening issues are coming. Jesus said, let us go. He was with them. Look at the next verse, verse number 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And let's be real for a second. Don't you sometimes feel that way if you're honest with yourself? If you be honest, if you be honest. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Now, I don't have kids. And uh, the Lord was wise in that. It should be painfully obvious. But I do have many nieces and nephews. I love my nieces and nephews. It's awesome to be an uncle. Do you know why? I ain't got to discipline nobody. Sugar and candy and anything they want. And when they cry and when it's, when it's diaper changing time, back to mama and daddy they go. Life is good when you're an uncle. It's fantastic. They're happy to see you come and they're sad to see you go. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. But upon occasion, my niece or, or my nephew, they'll, they'll fall or they'll hurt themselves. And they'll come to you and they're crying. And, and you look at it and you go, that's... 
My father used to say, son, if there's no blood, there's no bother. If it ain't broken, I don't need to fix it. Now, mom was a lot nicer about it, but not dad. Not dad. I, sometimes what you would do as a kid is you would exaggerate for emphasis, wouldn't you? You want a little tender love from mom. You wanted somebody to feel bad for you, so, so you'd exaggerate it a little bit. That is not what is happening in this passage. It's exactly the opposite of this passage. It says they were filled with water and they were in jeopardy. This is a real problem. They're not making this up. Sometimes we get the idea that this was just a little bit of wind on a little bit of water. It was not. These were professional fishermen. These were pro. Have you ever met a professional fisherman? I hope there are no. Are there any professional fishermen in here? No. Good. Very good. They're different. They're quite different. They are a unique breed of humans. They also have a unique scent that follows their line of work. They're quite different. But one thing you can say about them is they're tough. They're tough guys. In order for them to feed their family, it doesn't matter what's going on on the sea, they got to go out and fish. These are not men that frighten easily just because the wind blows or there's a wave or two. They do not frighten easily. You imagine what it would have been like to use these boats and be a fisherman in this time during Bible New Testament time. These were not cowardly men. These were not weak men. These were strong men who were used to facing difficult circumstances. And when this storm came up, their lives were really in jeopardy. They really had trouble. They really had a problem. And they were really in danger. Christian, today, there is surely come a time in your life, a moment in your life, where you stood and said, I have no idea what I'm going to do. The storm is so great. My boat is filled with so much water. I have no idea where to go. I want to show you a couple of things the disciples did that were right before we do the main part of the message. Verse number 24. This they did right. And they came to him. Well, now that makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that just common sense? I am not a deep preacher if you haven't figured that out. That's just common sense to me. That makes sense to me. I have a problem and I cannot solve it. And I am in my boat and it's filling with water and I am in jeopardy in my spiritual life, jeopardy in my physical life. I have no idea what to do. So go to Jesus. You realize that he died to save your soul, but he didn't abandon you after salvation, Christian. He is, he is with us. He has never abandoned us. It wasn't, oh, okay, checked it off. Glad you're saved. Okay, let's get the next one. It's, it's not a line. We all know about lines, right? You know, at Walmart or Target, you have to stand in line and wait to go in. That's not what happens at salvation. Jesus didn't check the box on your soul and then put you aside. The moment that you receive Christ as your Savior, He became your partner for life. He became your friend for life. He became your father for life, your brother for life. He became everything to you for life. He has never abandoned us. Say, Brother Matt, I feel alone. I understand that, but He's in your boat. Brother Matt, I, I feel like nobody understands. I get that, but Jesus is in your boat. Brother Matt, I've got a problem and I can't even share it with anybody. I get that too. And Jesus is still in your boat. Brother Matt, nobody understands what I'm going through. And the Bible says we have a high priest. Ah, kid, I'm so full this morning. I just want you to see, Christian, it's not what they say it is out there. We have a good God. We have a powerful God. We have a righteous and mighty and holy God. Look, Christian, we're going to go through the rest of this in a minute. Can I, be, can I be honest? Can I be real with you for just a second? I don't know how it is we expect to get anything from church when we spend 50 hours soaking in the news media and then we show up to hear truth. We have no idea what truth is anymore. 
We've become so full of a worldly narrative that when we hear eternal truth, we can't even comprehend it. We're so full up of that stuff that when we come in here, there's no room for the Holy Spirit to work. There's no room. Here's, here's, here's to me what it looks like for the average Christian's life. They get off of work. Get off of work. Go home, 5 o'clock news. Kick the TV on. 5 o'clock news comes on. I don't care what you're, I'm talking about all. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, I'm talking about all of them. I said this yesterday, I'll say it again today. They do not care about your soul. Don't care about you. You are a vote. You are a metric. You are nothing but a number to them. You are a soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. You matter in the church of God. You don't matter. They don't care about that. Look, we don't need what they've got, but they desperately need what we have. They need this. They need to know the truth that Jesus sticks closer than a brother that in spite of the storm when everyone else abandons you, Jesus stays in that boat. Here's what it looks like. Five o'clock, you click on that news, watch it for an hour, and you're mad. Why? Look at all these people. They're taking this, doing this, doing that, and you're mad. Six o'clock comes on, which is just a repeat of five o'clock, by the way, if you haven't figured that out, with new advertising. Hint, hint. Six o'clock comes on. You watch it, you're starting to get worried. 7 o'clock comes on, you're starting to get scared. By 8 o'clock, you're completely depressed. You go to bed and you can't sleep because you're scared to death. You got to take something to go to sleep. You got to take something to wake up. How do we live like that? That makes no sense to me. When we've got a book written by a God that sent his son to die for us, that loved us, that cared for us, sitting right in front of us. But it doesn't have pictures. doesn't move we're, we're so visually focused and we call them talking heads for a reason the heads talk to us and we feel informed we are so informed by what they have to say that we are empty of eternal things you know why it is our circumstances seem so difficult we can't hear from the God that is standing beside us in our boat he never left he never left we're listening to everybody else, who, by the way, are all in the same storm. Same storm. They have no answers, but a holy and righteous and faithful God stands beside us with all of the peace we could ever desire, but we watch the news. Doesn't make sense to me. Christian, it doesn't make sense. I'm not making light of you trying to educate yourself. I am pro-education. I'm just proer Jesus. I'm not saying don't be informed, but let what informs you drive you to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you got to watch it, if you got to do it, then let that burden you for the people they're talking about. Instead of hating everybody else that doesn't agree and line up with me philosophically on every single thing, you know what they need? You know what the rioters need? You know what those looters need? They need Jesus. That's what they need. Do you know what our police need and our military guys need? They need Jesus. Our first responders need Jesus. Our nation needs Jesus. What's going to fix it, Brother Matt? Elections? You know what we're going to do in November? We're going to elect a sinner. Did you realize that? And you know what's going to happen four years from now? We're going to elect another sinner. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just letting you know what we've been doing for the last couple hundred years. And until Jesus comes back, we're going to be messed up as a soup sandwich. That's why our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is in God's house. This is where we spend our lives. This is for what we spend our lives. Not that. Not that. We don't need that. That needs this. 
that needs this. They need a good dose of Jesus, and we ought to be the ones preaching it to them. From the boat, in the storm, full of water, difficult circumstances, holding hands with Jesus, preaching the gospel. That's a good life. I want that life. I want that life. Let's look at the next verse. They came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Christian, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this. I'm sure you have in your Christian life where there was a pain so deep. Your spirit was so broken and your heart was shattered in pieces. And you, you went to pray. And you just you had no words. Just God, help, please. I think probably parents in here have experienced that. I know my parents did. I'm sure grandparents have. Youth workers, Sunday school teachers. Most of the tears I've ever shed have been over the souls of my teenagers and my Kurdish people. I sometimes just say, God, help. That's the point they were at, Christian. They had nowhere else to go. They had exhausted all of their efforts. They had nowhere else to turn. They just said, Master, we're dying. We're dying. That is the cry my people that is the cry of our country and our nation literally that's their cry we're dying what are we doing Christian we just sitting in the puddle of water in our boat feeling sorry for ourselves and our circumstances now you listen to me I'm not making light of your circumstances I'm not I'm not making light of your circumstances I, I know there's real problems that really exist I know that there are trust me I know where there's people there's problems that's just life the world dying and going to hell and they need Liberty Baptist Church in their boat in the storm standing with Jesus Christ showing that in spite of the storm there can be peace let's look at the rest of it then he arose verse number 24 then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm now listen to me listen to me look up here this is why you don't skip to the end of the story because you'll assume that this is the end of every story and it's not. Can I ask you a question? The end of Jesus' story was not a calming of the storm. They stuck him on a cross and they killed him. He did not calm his own storm. And then after he was dead, they still tried to keep him in the grave here. And they tried to keep him in the grave spiritually. They did everything they could. Now, we look at this and say, okay, if there's a storm, then, then what's going to happen is... If I just pray to Jesus, he'll solve it. You've missed the point of the story. See, we make this about us and it's not about us. This story is not about, oh, Jesus calms a storm. It is about the power of God to fulfill his desire and his plan to see souls saved. You know what's going to happen at the end of this story? See, this is not the end. The end of this story is that a man possessed with a devil comes to know Jesus Christ salvation is the end of the storm that's incredible that's mind-blowing to me that my suffering in the storm by boat filling with water could lead someone to Jesus Christ that's amazing I don't deserve that you don't deserve that and yet if we will stand faithful in the storm God will use our suffering and our difficulties and our trials to bring people to an eternal saving knowledge of himself that's amazing that's incredible. Verse number 25. It's important that you see this. Verse number 25. And he said unto them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. 
we're really hard on the disciples right here, aren't we? Don't we criticize them a little bit and say, you are with Jesus. You should know better. Isn't that kind of how we feel? Don't we have Jesus? Shouldn't we know better? I don't like being afraid. I don't like it. My wife, for my 40th birthday, I don't recommend you always do this, but, you know, I've lived a good life, so it was fine. She decided that for my 40th birthday, we should jump out of an airplane. She does love me. She wasn't trying to kill me. The insurance ain't that good. It's pretty good, but it ain't that good. I'm scared to death of heights. I hate heights. I, I'm freaked out by the thought of the rapture. I'm just like, thank God it's a twinkling of an eye. Or I'd be throwing up on the way to glory. I hate heights. I think that roller coasters were invented by a devious teenager to make youth pastors vomit profusely. And if you like roller coasters, there's something wrong with you, and there's probably medication that you should take. I'm not the one with the issue. If you like heights, you're the one with the issue. I was scared to death. Absolutely scared to death. I don't like that feeling. I do not like fear, and I don't understand why it is, Christian, that with such a holy, righteous, and powerful God, it is that we live every day consumed and cowed by fear when we have a God in whom we can have such faith. Listening to that feeds fear. Listening to this builds faith. I'm not living by fear. You say, but Matt, it's scary in Iraq. Yeah, but I've been to L.A., I'm good. Yeah, I've, got, I've been to San Francisco. I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. But Matt, is it scary in Iraq? Yeah, try, downtown LA at night. That's a trip. I mean, that's something. I'm way happier over in Iraq. Trust me. Much happier, much safer. I'm good to go. I'm not going to live my life wasted in fear when I have the choice, the freedom, and the power of God to live by faith. And Christian, it's a choice. It's a choice. If you are in fear this morning, if you are in circumstances this morning that are overwhelming you, you can make the choice today to stop living in fear and start living by faith. Our country needs it and our God deserves it. Jesus was not upset with the disciples because they woke him up. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Sunday naps should have been listed in the Bible. They should have. Sunday naps are very important. Don't wake me up, don't disturb me, don't bother me. I'm communing with the Lord somehow. Jesus was not mad at them that they woke him up from a nap. He was not upset by that. He was not upset that they came to him. He was not upset that they prayed to him. He was bothered that the reason they came to him, it was out of fear that they were going to die, not in faith that he had power over the storm. You realize, Christian, that the same storm that those disciples were in was the same storm Jesus was in. And that the water filling their boat was the same water filling his boat. And by the way, there's a parallel passage in the book of Mark. They were not the only ship that was in the storm. But they were the only ship who had the Son of God in it. And we're living in fear, quaking just like they are. Look, Christian, they're in the same storm that we're in, but we've got something that they need, which is the presence of a holy, powerful, faithful, righteous God. They need that. They need that. You need that this morning. They allowed their faith to give way to fear in the face of circumstances. 
All they could see was the water. Can you go with me in your imagination for just a minute? I've got a wild imagination. Go with me for a minute. So here's the boat, big enough for 12 burly fishermen and a skinny tax collector, since he didn't, you know, he wasn't a fisherman. Skinny tax collector. My name is Matt, so I can, I can make fun of the Apostle Matthew a little bit. Here they are. Water's filling the boat, right? Isn't Jesus in the boat? Water is soaking their tunics. Water is soaking those robes. Who else's robe is getting soaked? Who is going through the same suffering they were going through? Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, every moment of your suffering is felt by the Savior. Did you know that? Did you know that every sorrow you feel is felt by the Savior that loves you, that is in the water with you and has never left and never will? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, this message has also been for you. Because you're in the same storm we're in. But our storm has a purpose. Do you realize, Christian, we're in the same storm they're in, but the end of our storm can be the salvation of the souls of men for the glory of God. At the end of their storm, they die and they go to hell. What a story. Christian, one day there's going to be no more pain. One day there's going to be no more struggle. Can I make it personal? Can I make it personal for just a second? And I'm going to close it down and be done. I'm going to make it personal for just a second. See, Brother Matt, you, you make light of storms a little bit, and I, I really don't mean to. So let me be personal for a minute. A couple of years ago, God brought a storm into our life. I contracted an autoimmune disease. We had no idea how it happened. We didn't know what it was. And there were days, there were days that I would lay on the floor. I would, cur I would curl up. My wife couldn't touch me. If she did, I would scream. I was in such pain, I couldn't move. I couldn't eat for hours and hours. I lost 30 pounds in a month and a half. Now, we'll give you a good view here. I ain't got 30 pounds to lose, folks, from anywhere, maybe here, but nowhere else. This is me with the weight gained back. I looked like walking death. It was horrible. I looked like a skeleton. Brother Matt, what was it? It was a storm. Brother Matt, where was Jesus when you were curled up on the floor in pain? Right there with me. Never left me. Not for a moment did he leave me. Not for one second, not for one moment was I ever alone. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of discomfort, in the middle of all of it, as the water was filling my boat, the Son of God was with me all the way. He's never left me. He's never abandoned me, Christian. Same Jesus in my boat, same Jesus in my boat. I'll say the last couple things and we'll be done. The faithfulness of God and the goodness of God is only experienced, truly experienced, in times of suffering. Brother Matt, I don't have time to read the Bible. Quarantine. COVID quarantine. You got time, baby. You got time now. You got time. So many years. It's been, well, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. And then all of a sudden, we have time, and what do we do? Watch the news. That don't make no sense to me. That don't make any sense. Sorry, that's not good English, but that's good Midwestern Southern English. That don't make no sense to me. I don't get that. We got the Savior, the creator of that very storm. The creator of the storm. The, cre the creator, God of the universe, is standing beside you in the moment of your suffering. Holding out his hand, offer not offering to fix your problem, not offering to calm the storm, offering to calm your he offers peace in the midst of a storm. May I read you one verse? May I read you one verse? Psalm 46. 
Would you look there, please? Psalm 46, would you look there? Psalm 46. I'm going to read it for sake of time. Psalm 46, verse number 1. Please go there. Don't stop turning just because I start reading. Please go there. If you're watching via live stream, please, please look at the scripture. Please do. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. It doesn't say help out of trouble, Christian. It's not a help out of trouble. He's a help in trouble. Therefore, will we, will not we fear? <laughs> Though the earth be removed. See? See what the passage says here? It doesn't say the problem goes away. It just says we're choosing not to fear. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. See that? Mountains are going to roar in your life. They're going to shake. Waters are coming. Circumstances are coming, Christian. Before the storms, God. In the storms, God. And at the end of the storms, if we'll go through it by faith, the salvation of souls. I don't know why the circumstances in your life are the way they are. Christian, I know you have them. I don't know why they are the way they are in your life. But if we'll live it by faith, not in fear, we may not see the end of our storm, but we can see the power of God and know the peace of God. Christian, the storm is not about the water. It is about the presence of God in our lives shining forth the gospel light to a world that is desperately needed. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.